So Miguel, what happened with the Bucks nationally televised game against oh. the Miami Heat? The first oh, one? I wish I could tell you. I sadly, uh, okay. For those that don't know, we played a nationally televised game on TNT, and what usually happens is that they play that game all the way through, no cuts, no interruptions. This is the nationally televised game. And let me give you even more background for this. This was the game that an NBA record was broken in most threes in the game. I remember when this happened. They, they, oh, the Golden State Warriors, vividly, they were going for their 73-1 season. They were like, you know what, ESPN, we're going to have a special broadcast to show history and let you witness this, show you every second of it, which they did. Uh, and also, I think TNT is a great program, like a, a great station. It's my favorite to watch basketball. They slighted us, me, Bucks fans, NBA fans, to the nth degree by mid-third quarter, you hear Ernie Johnson, shouts out to Milwaukee, um, say, oh, well, when it gets down to like 15 or 20, let us know. We're going to take a look around the league. And what the fuck did they do? They took a look around the league to Steph Curry dribbling the clock out. 114 to 104. 10 seconds left in the game. There's what is there to look at? We're in a third quarter game. We are about to break history. We're at like 25 threes at this point. And they cut to Stephen Curry dribbling out the clock in the fourth quarter. Up 10 with like 15 seconds left. What is there to look at? But truly. Truly, it, it baffled me. They took a look at games, and I was like, why the hell are they showing Ben Simmons on my TV What right now? Right now! It, it, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I've never seen them cut away from a game that they are nationally televising. I've seen at halftime, and they're like, let's take a look around the league while it's halftime. I've never seen such disrespect to an NBA franchise where they cut away from the game. There is no other place to see it. Spectrum cut out Fox Sports from their package. Bucks fans had no choice but to look at what was going around around the league. We didn't get to see our game be actually played. And then they cut back. They have the audacity to cut back to the Bucks game and say, oh, yeah, while you were away, uh, they said an NBA League franchise of 29 threes. While, while, while I was away, I was sitting at the damn TV waiting for you to put the game back on. And you didn't. And you missed NBA history. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Are you serious? Are you serious? I, I, uh, TNT, TNT, I, inside the NBA is a treasure. Probably my favorite TV shows to watch. But, but, oh, man, oh, I, I, I'm trying to keep it as G-rated as possible. I did already utter the S-bomb. I, oh. Guys, do it with me, deep breaths. One in, one out. It'll all be, it'll all be okay. It'll all be okay. All this disrespect from the Woj's, the TNT's, all of that, all of that. It's going to be absolved by the time we get a chip and they can shut the fuck up.
Welcome back to the Ball Brother Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nathaniel Edwards, here with Miguel Brown. Here. And, well, first of all, welcome back after a, a little bit of a holiday break. There's a lot of good basketball over the last uh, 10 days or so, Miguel. There was. Uh, I mean, man, man, I, I feel like. It's the holiday drain, and it is the uh, basketball drain because I just, yeah, I'm a night of, uh, you know, celebrating a new year. Like, I'm, you can hear it in my voice, but also celebrating new basketball, just watching uh, teams that we didn't think would perform this well perform this well. I don't know. Yeah, there are a lot of surprises, uh, it seems. Um, one of the, one thing that wasn't really a surprise to us, though, were our, uh, our first bold predictions all the way back <laughs> that first podcast. Oh man. Are, are we just some high IQ boys or what? <laughs> Honestly, like truly, truly, you know what? I, I commend you for your call because what you called that we were going to lose the second of the back-to-back to the heat. Correct. Yeah. I said, we were going to blow them out the first game. And I said, we were going to lose by a little bit the second game. And I was pretty- <laughs> Pretty much like blowout it was if only they showed it on a nationally televised or nationally televised game if only they showed it all the way through but uh yeah get me started on tnt deciding to stop showing the basketball game that they they bought (laughs) oh we'll we'll get we'll get there in due time in Uh due time and then i will probably yeah the next for for picking the knicks and now for the listeners that actually listened to that first episode you guys all know that our bold prediction were that these would be the bucks first losses we didn't we didn't call bank so like we couldn't really <laughs> predict that first loss against the celtics but nonetheless we did predict that the bucks would lose to the knicks and lose in that second miami game it's just yeah it's just timing who knows who knew that we would lose that first game we were a uh, bank shot away from being just about right, and a, and a Knicks game away from you being completely right. I mean, it's the Knicks. Who would have thought? Truly, besides the uh, you know, two great podcasting hosts. Yeah, the Knicks have been kind of playing um, uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically to say the least. Um, but let's let's go ahead and get into it, Miguel. And this right. this podcast, you can expect a little bit of a breakdown of what. Bud is doing with the Bucks rotation or what we think he might be doing. We're going to um, talk highly about a couple of the rookies. Oh, of course. Um, then we're going to get around the association, talk about some contracts that may or may not be good, a uh, certain Houston Rocket and his resurgence, uh, somebody that doesn't believe in vaccines, maybe having to, uh, well, Quarantine. Yeah. We're going to talk about the seeding and why it looks the way it does. And then our weekly bold prediction uh, to end. So shall we just go ahead and get into it, Miguel? Oh, um, yes. All right, let's do it. Bucks Roto. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, Thanasis. Thanasis, he's getting minutes? Minutes? Yeah. 
that's that's the first question here is it are these just Tory Craig's minutes and like when Tory Craig's like what I think it's his nose stops being broken he's gonna get them back or like I don't know it seems like he actually kind of likes him and he plays him a la Pat I I, I I'm not mad I, I'm not upset he's high energy he gives us good defense but uh I don't know. I'd like to see Sam Merrill get those minutes for sure. I, I don't know. Like younger guys that can prove that they can hit a shot next to Giannis. Definitely want to see that play out a little bit more. But I mean, while he's in there, shit, looks like he's trying hard. I, I'll give it that. I don't care. As long as we're winning. I don't know. I'm going to have to actually look at like his, some of his like plus minus and stuff. Because I part of me feels like, oh, yeah, he's trying hard, he's playing well, but the other part of me feels like maybe it's just like that whole Patrick Beverly effect. Uh, I was going to say the whole Pat uh, Patrick Connaughton effect. Oh, we, did, we we already know Pat Connaughton might be getting more minutes than he should be, though he has he has played well the past couple of games. But for Thanos, it's like the Pat, the Pat Beverly effect. I meant like, you know, Westbrook, when he said like, oh, he doesn't actually play good defense, he just jumps around out there and tricks you guys. Ah, ah, that's. I don't want to be. I don't want to be tricked by the older Atentacumpo because he's just being really active. That I think he's, you know, actually playing well. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we gotta check out the metrics on this. Does our uh, net defensive rating go up when he's in? Does it go down when he's in? Um, I know when we started talking trash to Goran Dragic, it did not go well that Heat game. So I'd appreciate if he just kind of be a little bit more tight-lipped and just play defense. But, you know, I like his intensity that he brings. Yeah, that's a good point. Let me – I'm going to see if I can find his plus-minus just for this past Bulls game. So a game that we won. So it should be a positive plus-minus, right? It should be good. All right, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. This isn't good. No. So he had – for the Bulls game, and I just picked this up randomly. Uh, he had the lowest plus minus on the entire team at minus hell. Seven. He was the only player that was negative in plus minus for the hell. Game. Damn it, damn it. We tried, we tried to salvage his, his defensive metrics and not say it was just jumping around, but it looks like he's just doing some some jumping around out there. Yeah, he might. Have I mean, it could be misleading. He could have got just garbage time minutes when we're not trying to do all that much, right? what it was. That's probably what it was, garbage time minutes. Let's stay with this game because I feel like this this Bulls game is kind of what the Bucks want to do most of the time, right? Like, this is how they want to play, whether it's sustainable or not. Let's see. Who who else would be? Let's talk about Pat. Oi. What, what is there to say? Um, Pat was plus 12 this game. He was three for three from the three point line. His Good. Throws, uh, three for five total field goal and had five sure. bounds, an assist, and a steal. Okay. All right. Um, see, you know what? When he has good games, I'll shut up. I'll let him do his thing. Sure. Fine. What I will say is that he better play. I mean, you know what? But let me preface it with this. As a Bucks fan that's seen it all, we. We're a 15-win team, what, five years ago? Not even. Uh, I'm going to appreciate all the Bucks basketball I can get. I'm not going to be too picky or too um, too anti, like, 
guys on our team. They're doing their best to make this the best Bucks team that it can be. I understand that. With that being said, play this man max five minutes a game where he can just come in, do that, three for three for three, just give us high-energy basketball as much as he can, and then pull that man out of the game. Um, I don't want to see him in the clutch guarding Jason Tatum in the post. Uh, tie ball game, 40 seconds left. Why is he in? We have Torrey Craig. That was a pre-broken nose. Why isn't he in? Uh, when it comes to defense, it's not like he's this supreme, supreme defender laterally. Like if he's out there on the perimeter, it seems like he's getting blown by pretty easily, which is the name of our game, force him into Brooke Lopez. But I mean, I'm sure we have better rangier defenders than him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like I'd love to see all of his Merrill. Uh, oh, oh, all of his Merrill. Uh, I'm already speaking my point. I want all of his minutes uh, to be soaked up by Sam Merrill. Uh, who can prove who has proved to be the best shooter in NBA history. So I don't know. It's a long winded answer for a question about one guy, but that's just how I feel. What is Sam Merrill? Like he's Sam Merrill has got to be a genuinely nice person with a kind heart and the shooting touch of a feather. What does he miss? Like one shot the whole season of the like seven shots he's taken. And I don't think – did he miss three in that Chicago game? I didn't even see. I, I missed that, sadly. Oh, I'm not sure if he missed in the Chicago game, actually. Because I know in that Golden State game where he broke history, that was his eighth three that he hasn't missed. He's one of seven guys to not miss three in the start of their career. Don't know who those seven guys were. I feel like Zion might have even been one of them. But he was only four for four at that. Let's see. He's shooting 80%. From three right now. Ah, ah, I missed it. So he did miss a shot. Yeah, it's it. So he shot a hundred percent. Trade him in the first Heat game. He shot fifty percent against the Knicks. Didn't miss a three though. He shot sixty-seven percent against the Warriors. Um, I I don't know about giving uh, Sam Merrill those minutes. I just think that needs to to see less of them still like even for that uh the heat games like the heat games i thought were particularly interesting because everyone that that was in front of um tyler hero was pretty much just like cooking tyler hero except for pat Connaughton was getting cooked by tyler hero Um, yeah yeah i mean simply uh simply put just white on white violence nothing you can do about it such a shame. Such a shame. Such a shame. Got to, got to stop that. Put the, put the, the ah, ah, there was a pun there. It's evaded me. Oh, also we shout out that. to Tyler Hero. Uh, yeah, Greenfield legend. Yeah, the <laughs> Greenfield legend will, will emphasize that. I will give TNT that. They did call that one right. That's good. Um, Tyler Hero, born in the year, born in the year 2000. That's crazy. Jeez. This year, oh. we're going to see people like at bars that were born in the year 2000. That's going to... We're going to see people at bars? Good point. <laughs> um, hey, uh, what else? Drew Holiday. I feel like we talk about him a lot, but it's like clearly clear that that trade was a, a win, especially if we can get him to extend for three seasons or so. 
an absolute W, like truly an absolute W of a pick. I mean, I've been I've been watching the Pelicans too, and Bledsoe hasn't been awful. Yeah. In fact, I think he just hit like a game winner, didn't he? He did. I, I watched that game. That was the league pass game that I watched. I was cheering for him. I was actually really happy that he hit that three. Uh, well, I think Lonzo came to the corner, and it was 123-123, and he pulled no hesitation. And I screamed like a little child. I was like, yes, Eric. That's, that's all we wanted while you were here, just to shoot with confidence and not pump fake and drive into the lane and do a jump pass into four guys. Um, yeah, it, it, I was really proud of him. He actually threw a lob, too. Uh, Steven Adams. I was like, well, he did learn something while he was here. Um, I still think like, on that trade, I mean, all the way played well. Um, Drew Holiday just plays better, smoother, just kind of how it goes. Um, I don't know, not much to say about it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm happy with the trade. I'm happy Bledsoe's doing well. I, I did like Bledsoe while he was here. He did. He had, uh, he had 19 and 10 last night. It was a solid game. Had- against the Raptors uh, not yeah and like I'm surprised that this Pelicans team can start a uh, ball and Bledsoe that that's what I was gonna say I'm shocked that they don't have Bledsoe off the bench too but it's like who do they yeah. have like like sub out uh Hart and Bledsoe just for a little bit more shooting in their starting lineup but anyway that's it like well I'm sure we'll be forced to talk about the Pelicans way too much this season anyway because that's how the ESPN games are set up okay. and the TNT. Um, so let's talk about uh, the front runner for the most improved player award. Oh, one of the best nicknames in the world. Hashtag white Dante. Is that who you're talking Hashtag about? The big ragu. Oh man. I don't, I don't, I don't know that nickname. I only know the other one, but uh, yeah, whatever you say, the big ragu. Oh, yeah. Like, if you Google the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo comes up. Same with hashtag white Dante. It's all the same, man. Same coin, just a different side. Well, also, an actor comes up, but I don't know who this guy is. But Dante DiVincenzo's face comes up, too, so there's that. We we like him more. We like him a lot more. But it looks like Dante DiVincenzo might actually be like slowly turning into one of the better two-way players in the league. I would just like to say I'm sorry. I'd like to apologize to that man because I was so willing to offer him up in that bogey trade that I didn't know what we would have been missing. I I thought he was going to be good. I would have been sad uh, about trading him, yes. But like I was like, oh, yeah, for bogey, you do that in a heartbeat. But... Um, I'm not sure about that anymore. I think I would have regretted that trade if I saw him play like this in Sacramento because he's basically doing what a bogey was going to do. That was what he was going to do, was just come off the bench and just, like, hit and just, like, I don't know, just do everything that we needed from that, like, next guy in our team. And I think he's doing that really, really well. And I appreciate that from him, that he's at least, uh, I don't know, uh, shooting when he wants to shoot and, like, doing it with confidence and I don't know. I feel like just this team needs that. They need just like, I don't know, that Cal Corver mentality as that like shooting guard. And I appreciate that Wes did it, but I just think that age and time-wise, like he doesn't fit that timeline and Dante fits it perfectly, honestly. 
I I mean I didn't know I, I thought if we got Bogey he'd be starting. Like I, I really did. Um but honestly like looking at what Bogey's been doing in Atlanta right now has been kind of uh you know like it's sad it's sad for Atlanta, but like um I mean the Hawks are four and two, they're not doing too bad, but Bogey isn't even starting down there. Um this last game against the Hawks, he he had 11 points, two rebounds, and two assists, but he did it on, like, 4 of 12 shooting and in 23 minutes. He ended up ended up being minus 8. And, and granted, like, although these may seem like wins now, even with the Wesley Matthews loss, like, it seems like he's been playing the best there. And, like, I asked a Lakers fan the other night, and they said, yeah, he looks older and stuff like that. I get it. We're only uh, – take into account we're only seven games in, small sample size – uh, new teams too, so I feel like with Bowie it might be growing pains at that, but like we'll we'll definitely get a more holistic view as time goes on. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that for sure. Yeah, that, that's true. Like I, we shouldn't judge these teams based off of their first like week or first seven games or six games. Right, it's good to take it's a lot of seasons to be played. It's good to see that and know that that's going on though at the same time. Yeah. Um, let's see. We got to get further around the association. Uh, are there, well, I guess we, we got to talk about our, our rookies first. So we talked about Merrill. What about Norwa? Man, uh, what I like about him, he looks like he's a sticky defender. Uh, and his step back three game already is looking advanced. Like he's very ready to do that whenever he has the ball in his hands. And like, Yes. I don't know. I, I like that. They're very uh, – whenever they're in, they're not afraid to shoot. They're not shy. And I think that uh, drafting rookies like that uh, are perfect for this team. You need guys that aren't shy to put the ball on. Yeah, it looks like he's he's going to be pretty good. Um, I just hope that he gets some playing time so we don't end up stunning Please. his growth. Didn't we, end up like, didn't we end up like trading up in the draft to get him? I know we got him in the second round, but – that I'm not sure. I thought we got him at our pick. It was the first draft. I didn't make it through to pick 60. I, I felt like an old man. I passed out, I think, uh, post 30, uh, pick 35. And I was like, I, that was the first time I'd ever seen a Bucks pick besides when I was at Summerfest and it was Giannis. So maybe I should miss more drafts. TBH. Oh, wait. Yeah, we did trade up for him. We traded uh, with Orlando for him. So interesting. Even the fact that we got him from another team, I think, is encouraging because it's never the players you draft; it's the players that you draft away from other teams that do well. Yep, yep, that's how it goes. Um, uh, I guess speaking of rookies, uh, I feel like going around the association. Uh, how do you feel about like the rookies that have been out playing so far? The rookies that have been playing so far, let's see, who is there? There's there's Edwards in uh, Minnesota. Lamelo and Charlotte. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch too much of the uh, Hornets yet. Okay, well, I guess but I, I, as someone that did catch their league pass game yesterday and caught him playing, uh, young guard, I mean – the great passer already. You can see he's really willing to get the ball up to his teammates. Um, I think, you know, just consistency shooting as any rookie has problems with 
uh, just finding his shot there. And also time. He's not starting for Charlotte, weirdly enough. Uh, kind of a logjam at guard with uh, Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier starting at guard. So I think they could definitely find him some time, put one of those – they're both scoring guards, and I feel that they both deserve to start, yes. But putting one of them on the bench, I feel like might be more proactive for them, have uh, Terry and or Devontae Graham – uh, be that combo guard next to Lamelo, and then yeah, we might see a little bit more, a little bit more from him. But I'd say even in his bench minutes, he comes in and he makes an impact. You see, but uh, you know, it's early. It's early. We just gotta see where uh, the season takes us. It is early, and like now I think about it, like I did get a chance to watch like a little bit of uh, a Charlotte game, and in fact, I got out to chance like to what was it the charlotte brooklyn game ah yes and i i actually saw terry rosier's dunk like live he's playing oh, well God. too shooting like percentages wise early but good for those that didn't see it like it was december 27th terry rosier dunked on kevin durant and it was probably the the nastiest thing to happen to Kevin Durant this season. Um, I actually, you know what? I might need to go check that out. I'm not even sure if that, I feel like ESPN suppressed that just like LeBron footage in his camp. I haven't seen this dunk that Terry Rozier had for sure. Yeah. Like here, listen to this, listen to this call of the dunk. Oh, wait, you're telling me that's not Bismack Biombo pulling up for three? No, <laughs> not quite. Not, not in this season. Oh, uh, man, if, if, uh, if I had the technology you did, I'd be pulling up that uh, Bismack Biombo uh, three. I think it's the same Charlotte Hornets broadcaster, too. He had the, it was the same energy when Bismack pulled for three this year. Uh, probably my favorite call so far. In, in our early season. Same excitement. I didn't, the, I didn't see the Bismack. Three. Oh, uh, if you could, yeah, if you, you do have the technology, just check out Bismack Biombo 3. It it will become uh, one of the greatest calls in sports history. Up there with a, a bang by Mike Breen and that Terry Reserve dunk. That did sound super hype, low-key. Directly after this podcast, I will, I will search that up. And I implore all of you listeners to do that, too, because... Man, that's, that sounds I, exciting. I googled Bismack Biombo three, and like the first thing that came up was Bismack Biombo worst three point attempt of all time. That that may be it. That that may be it. If he's pulling up from the corner, if he's pulling up from the corner. You know, that's the one. I'm kind of afraid to click on it, but let's get back. Let's come back to this. Let's come Andrew, back to this. I don't uh, league rookies, uh, Edwards. Uh, uh, your cousin. Uh, nah, there's no no relation there at all. No, don't be humble. Don't be humble. I see. I see the uh the genetic gifts that you guys share. There's no relation that I know of, though. I'm like there definitely could be cousins out there that I don't know because that's you know, how family works. Well, anyways, your cousin. How's he doing? Um, being in Minnesota, I should know more. I should have seen more. But you know, uh, going off of early 
um, early footage. I mean, this is like almost preseason even. And he looks like he's ready. I mean, he's hitting it threes. He's blocking. Like, he's playing defense. Like, I don't know. He just looks like he's NBA ready. He had that body uh, ready to go. And I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. We just got to see where the season takes us. Like, seven games in, early eye test, he looks ready. But we got to see what those percentages turn out to. Because, yeah, he is a willing shooter. And he is uh, capable for sure. But uh, we just got to check those clips after these next coming weeks because then we'll get a more realistic baseline of what he's really looking like. Yeah, I think for for any group of people this this season so far, it's too early to make calls on rookies and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see if some of these rookies can step up. Let's get around the association to some more interesting topics. First of all, there's John Wall just won a game yesterday. He looks good. I was watching also another league pass game that I watched. Very good. Like he shot three, granted two for eight. Uh, looks willing to take it and still has that quickness to blow by people. That people like it was him versus um, what De'Aaron Fox. It looked like uh, him versus his mini me. And he said he was ready to come in this year. He definitely showed that he was ready. He definitely showed that. He's just yeah, what did he what did he end up ending with? He I think it was like uh twenty-eight points, six assists, and then four rebounds against the, the Kings. Yeah, just someone that's coming back hungry to play basketball. That's what he looks like. I definitely think he has something to prove too. Uh speaking of the Rockets, Sterling Brown. How do you do? How's... And, uh, uh, also, Christian Wood, former Buck, both. He's shooting thirty five percent from the three. Like he, he's playing well in Houston too. His his per thirty six is looking pretty good. good. Um, I'm glad. I'm happy for him. He deserves all the shooting, praises. He's one shooting seventy one percent overall. He hasn't missed the two point shot all year. His effective field goal percentage is 0.92. Like Sterling Brown's looking good too. So of course, See, people leave. He was the person that should have stayed. It, him and Pat should have been flip flopped. But I, I digress. Happy for all our guys, wherever they are, thriving. Keep that up, Sterling. Um. Also around the association, they got a couple of big contracts to talk about. Uh. We have Luke Kennard, sixty-four million, uh, first extension. Woo! I guess, I guess, if they want to do that, sure. Uh, I'm not complaining. Eat up that cat space. I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know what it does for them. I mean, they, it, between him and Landry Shamit, it's kind of a wash. I mean, you get a better defender, quote unquote. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like. That that's another thing that we have to see if that if he'll play up to his contract. I'm afraid if Powell play up to his, will Luke Kennard play up to what he's got? Like hell, he's got to play up to a sixty four million dollar contract. If he's not wedding every game he comes out, hell, what, why did they make that move? Yeah, I I don't know, but 
just like at, at first sight, it seems like too much money for Kennard, especially because you think about it, like in theory, the, the Clippers gave up like Harold essentially to be able to, to sign Kennard then? Is that essentially? Is that what like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was like Shamit, right? It was a shooter for shooter trade, and then they ended up paying this man money. But I thought they both couldn't play defense. I, I heard that, yeah, they made that trade because Landry Shamit couldn't play defense. I'm like, can Luke Kennard play defense? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, and I haven't really – It's one. he's one of those players when he's on the court, you don't really notice him too much either. So I haven't been able to, like, to hone in on him and be like, oh, yeah, Kennard's playing terribly or, oh, he's playing really well. All right. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to take a look at. Also, big contract, Rudy Gobert, number one screen assister in the league. Yes, $205 million. You know, uh, hey, hey now, uh, speaking of uh, number one screen assister, could, uh, could you take a guess who the number two screen assister is in the league? If the number one is getting that much money, what you said, $205 million? Uh, yeah, two hundred and five million. Jesus. So yeah, get take a, a wild guess as to who the number two screen assister is because they should be getting those big bucks too. Uh, I, I don't know. Is it? Is it? Uh, it is. Um, it is. No, no, no. Orlando Magic. Uh, a name you might not even have heard of. Hmm, you gonna have to tell me. Kem Burks. 10 screen assists per game. Number two in the league. I just read that yesterday about why Mo Bamba wasn't getting minutes there. I was like, why? What's happening to Mo Bamba? Ken Burks is having a pretty solid season. But yeah, uh, Rudy Gobert. Uh, huge contract for, I don't know. I don't know. Also, one of those contracts where it's like, I get it. Defensively, he provides a service. But... I don't know at what cost, at what literal cost. I don't know. I feel like if you're a Utah, you got to think like, let me lock down two players that are going to keep fans coming back for some years. I mean, I, I guess Utah's fan base is kind of loyal. They'll probably go to the games regardless. But like for Utah to be able to say, yeah, we have Don Mitchell and Rudy Gobert uh, like locked up for the next like five years. Um. I think that's a that's a win for the Jazz, even if like we wouldn't have given or most other teams in the league wouldn't have given a seven foot one, just like I guess pick setter and rebounder to an extent. I guess his defense is pretty good too. Yeah, um, we wouldn't have given him two hundred and five million. Then I'm not surprised that uh, the Jazz did. Like hell, they got fans coming out currently to see Rudy Gobert in game. They're quite literally risking their lives to see this man play. You know what? More power to them. I love the NBA too. <laughs> Not gonna judge them for wanting to go see NBA basketball live while you have the opportunity. Oh, I might, I might have done that double masked up on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> well, let's move on to our our final topic for around the association. And then we'll move into like our, our section just about the, the league standings in general and what some of these uh, 
these blowouts might mean. But our last section, we have to talk about the Young Nuggets rising star, Michael Porter Jr. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I apologize for bringing this up our first podcast. I apologize. I didn't think it happened. Yeah, I didn't either. It says he's out for COVID protocols. And, Miguel, we can't be blamed for Michael Porter Jr. He might have just been exposed to, like, somebody. He said it. And I've seen variants variants of, like, what his stance is, whether it's he's an anti-vaxxer or he thinks it's for population control or whatever his beliefs on it may be. He he let us know. He was like, yeah, I'm vaccines with uh, me no uh, oh. <sighs> oh. i actually have the original quote that he gave please yes like, do, what, do let us know. the end of july um so this was like this was this was, so this was his first season playing with the nuggets and he came out saying something like this because he had to sit out that first season um for that back problem but he he claimed that the coronavirus was being used for worldwide population control and that it was being overblown. And he was saying this in July. So not, not like not like in March when like li- literally the first like shutdowns are happening in the United States and such like that. He said this in July after they had decided to go into a whole bubble <laughs> to protect themselves. From this. He said, personally, I think that the coronavirus is being used obviously for a bigger agenda porter said is being used for population control in terms of being able to control the masses of people because of this virus the whole world is being controlled you're required to wear a mask and who knows what will happen when this vaccine comes out you might have to have the vaccine in order to in order to travel that'd be crazy those are exact words oh it doesn't make it better (laughs) i don't know um like, ah, okay, I want to try and be devil's advocate, but I want to be the devil. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe he was on to something with like, yeah, like, it's, it's the ruling class trying to wean out those that don't have affordable health care. Like, maybe, maybe he was on the right path in like some sort of ways, but what? <laughs> I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, he's, he's a young guy, just trying to live in this crazy world, trying to make sense of it. I, I, I I'm not going to, okay, I'm not saying I'm agreeing with him, but maybe maybe he had some points that just weren't elaborated clearly and or put in a good quote. Because, yeah, the quote isn't good. I'm not going to say that, like, I can, I can vouch for this man all the way, but, like, maybe... Maybe he was trying to make some sound arguments. I don't know. I don't know. I can only I can only speak for me and what I can take from it. But what I can take from it isn't much. Uh, I I'm sorry that he's he's in this position. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe choose better words. Yeah, I, he the reporter kind of just like uh, back in July kind of pushed him to keep going. It seemed, and then. That's when he said, I've never been vaccinated in my life. I've never had any shots or anything like that. And the, the reporter notes that it's probably not true because to go to Missouri, you do have to be vaccinated. But I don't, I, I'm pretty sure you can get exemptions uh, at certain schools. I'm but sure. Missouri does have a policy 
about being you have to be vaccinated against uh, measles, mumps, and rubella, <clears throat> um, or be able to prove that you are immune to those. Which I don't, I guess it's just some sort of record saying that you have them or something like that. But um, I don't know. And then the uh, Malone said that he wasn't going to quote unquote put a muzzle on anybody when they asked him about like what <laughs> what one of his youngest players is is thinking. That's a it's a good coach right there. Uh, yeah, just, I'm just gonna let him go. Just <laughs> the Kyrie Irving treatment, absolutely. The Earth is flat, sure. Kyrie, give me thirty. Yeah. Well, we hope that his tests come back negative, and that this this COVID protocols is just because he was exposed to like I don't know, like a an ASU ASU party somewhere somewhere yep. down in Phoenix. I, I was gonna say a postmate. You think he's driving from? Uh, Denver to Phoenix to go to parties with AS. Yeah, yeah. You heard what Devin Booker had? He's like, I want that. Don't be shocked if he gets traded there one day. Arizona is like a lawless state. They are. Oof. Shouts out to my cousins out in Arizona. But, oof. I'm sure, I'm sure that they wouldn't care about any of what he's doing down there. They don't call it the Wild West for nothing. On that, they don't. So, Miguel, why do you think there's been so many blowouts in the league this year? So, I don't... (sighs) Um... I would, ah, you know what? I'll chalk it up to like uh, teams trying to fit because I feel like there's a lot of new guys on different teams. And I don't know, when you're getting blown out, I feel like it's easier to make a comeback with a team that you know and you have chemistry with, other than like, uh, let, let, let's throw New Orleans in there. Uh, for instance, because sure, I think they got blown out their first game low-key, or they blew out the team that they are facing, but it's like uh, new guys, new pieces that you're introduced to in Eric Bledsoe, and a uh, team like the Thunder, with new, uh, completely new guys, Al Horford and George Hill, uh, missing Chris Paul. I mean, you, you can go through any of these teams, and I'm sure one of them, a couple of them, the Bucks even, uh, have had blowouts that haven't gone well, and I just think that it's just a a test of trying to get guys to fit. And when it's going bad, it's hard to rally those troops when you really don't know the troops that are beside you and like what they have, and what they're willing to do for you. So I think as the season goes on, we might see that uh, gap. I think I uh, said a couple of days ago, what the gap in games is like a 13 point differential uh, after games. I think we'll start to see that narrowed down as the season goes on, as players get more comfortable in their situations and as teammates get more comfortable with their uh, added additions to the team. So I think that's what we might see as time goes on. But right now, yeah, it has been pretty. There's been a lot of games that have just been uh, switch off of it material a la TNT. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that um, – I think these teams are – are folding a little bit easier. I think they're giving up. Uh, and 
I do think it's a lot easier to kind of give up on playing or let the game go or accept the loss with no fans in the building. That too. I think that's a huge part of it. Like as soon as like a team gets like a 10 point lead and there's like maybe like five or six minutes left, then it would only take like two more threes or whatever to kind of put them away and then have the, the starters maybe just pack it up and say, all right, well, we'll get the next team. Um, I think there's that and combined with how early it is in the season, I think people are, are kind of feeling like these games aren't worth as much, especially because like, if we get to the point in the playoffs and there's still not fans, like, then what does it matter if you have home court advantage or not, to be honest like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like even with the Lakers, I feel like when a team that's that big gets down, they're not going to, start gunning for a win that bad. I think they definitely have more inclinations to rest their bigger guys for a bigger moment. You know, they'll chalk it up to now five games in the season, and then when they need wins, they'll play them those minutes. But, yeah, if they're down 10 to – they're playing when they're losing, but, like, let's say uh, hell, the Hawks uh, or the Magic will go with the team that they struggled with these past couple of years. Like, if they're down by 10 to them, they're not going to – bring back AD with five minutes left and risk injury for them to get that win. I think, yeah, they're definitely going to be more inclined to fold than not. I, I think that's true. It might be even on the coaches a little bit. We're pulling players early. Um, but honestly, I don't think the seedings, I don't think the seedings going to matter as much this year. I think teams are just going to, maybe teams might say like, okay, I want to be the top four seed so I can, yeah, at least get the first round game at home so I don't have to travel or whatever or like as brutally or this, that, or the other. Yeah. I, I do think like people are thinking like, well, home court advantage won't matter in the playoffs anyway. If I make the playoffs, then I can, I can win anywhere is probably what some teams are thinking. Um, but we'll, we'll see how the game goes on. Uh, let's look at this seating in the Eastern conference. Uh, we have the 76ers, and it's Sunday, January 3rd. Uh, we have the 76ers leading at 5-1, and one, and we have what? the Malcolm Brogdon-led Pacers in a three-way tie for the second seed with the Magic and Cavaliers. What we expected. Oh, I'm sorry, a four-way uh, tie with the Hawks in that mix as well. We have. Wow. One, two, three, four teams at three and three right now um, from top to bottom with uh, the Nets, Knicks, Celtics, and Bucks. And yeah. those are our top nine seeds right now with the uh, the 10th seed being the, the Bulls. And I know there's going to be something different with like play-ins for the lower seeds this year too. So that I feel like that even extends the, the playoffs even more. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Anything surprise you about those those ten teams? Um, the Cavs, if there's one team, uh, the Magic do this every year. They do this every year where it's like, man, I remember Aaron Gordon saying it last year. It's like, yeah, we're well, we have to be respected around this league. They start off, I think, the number one team, one of the only undefeated teams to start off season two, and then NBA teams heard that, and then they played them how they should have been then. The season went awry. So the magic doesn't surprise me. It's if they can keep this up for a whole 
64 game season. Uh, but the Cavs, yeah, sure. I, even though it's early, hell, I ain't expect them to win a damn game with the team they have. I don't even know who they do have, but uh, hell, sure. Yeah, I'd say that's the surprise in all of this. I'm not really surprised that like the Nets are this low or we're that low. New teams that are trying to build chemistry, uh, they might not have the smoothest start to a season, sure. But yeah, uh, call me in half when we get to the All Star break, and then I'll see whether or not Orlando's up there still, or if they're doing the Orlando magic way and kind of fumbling that bag. The Cavs, to answer your question, the Cavs have an hilarious team right now, honestly. Like, it's just hilarious. Like, I, I don't know why these names are just like funny to me or these players are funny to me. Number one, Larry Nance Jr. I, yeah, I guess it's cool. He's yes. playing for his dad's team. Um, Andre Drummond's there. Just, yep. uh, yes. just getting his 10 and 10 every night in like 20 minutes, I think is what he played against the, the Hawks in a win. Colin Sexton, I think, actually hit like the 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 shot that uh, sealed the game against the Hawks this past week. Ah. There's that. They also have a uh, Thon Maker and Seti Olsen. There's that one, not rookie, but he was a rookie last year. He's got a tight handle, pretty good shooter. His last name's with a G, his first name's with a D, is what I'm going with, but I could be wrong. Last but I want to see who turns First name with a G. Oh, no, flip that. D and G, I thought it went, but I could be wrong. Oh, Darius Garland? Darius Garland, yes. His man has a nice handle, and he's a talent, highly talented shooter out of college. I think it was just weird that they drafted him when they have Colin Sexton there, too. I think they're starting them both. They are, two undersized guards. Kind of like a, something that they have on Portland. I guess. I mean, CJ McCollum isn't exactly no, he isn't exactly small. Um, okay, so that's the, the Eastern Conference. I, I think for me, the the thing that surprised me the most about the Eastern Conference thus far is probably how the Nets, like outside of that that first like uh, few games, they, they've kind of just leveled off a little bit. I don't that's know. Bit. We saw that first game. It seemed like they were like locked in. Um, defense-wise, and they were shooting well. Now it just kind of seems like they've let the defense go to the wayside. So, it'll Yeah, be interesting to keep an eye on that. I'm also surprised that the Knicks have been playing the way they have been. Um, the Raptors starting one and four, and Siakam kind of taking a step back has been surprising. I feel bad for uh, Westbrook who's leading the, I think, what, what they have the worst record in the league right now at the Wizards. Yeah. Or I keep on saying Westbrook. I should say Beal is leading the worst team in the league right now. Um, all right, but what about the Western Conference? We got the Suns continuing their bubble magic uh, at 5-1. and one. We have the Pelicans and the Clippers and the Lakers all at 4-2. and two. Um. We have the Jazz and Trailblazers at three and two, the Rockets at five hundred at two and two, the Kings at five hundred at three and three, and then the Spurs and the T Wolves are our ninth and tenth teams at uh, two and three. Uh, yeah, I don't know. None, you know. none of those, none of those truly surprised me. I guess the Phoenix Suns, if there's one, but uh, 
I don't know the West is, I feel like the West is going to be like this all year. It's going to be this team's number one, this team's out of the playoffs um, all throughout the year because there's so much competition one through eight. Who's going to make the playoffs is the question, really. So I don't know. Nothing truly, truly takes me back when you say that. I just think it's going to be a roller coaster ride to the finish in terms of who's playing who uh, in these games and uh, even the playoff seeds, too. Yeah, I think that. The thing that surprises me most is the Mavericks. Um, they're the 11th seed right now, which is – I know they're missing Kristaps, but I don't know. Luka's had a lackluster start for sure, too, shooting the ball. There, yeah, there's a lot of hype surrounding this this team, and now it – I don't know. It seems like it might be fading this first uh, couple of weeks in the season. The Nuggets being 1-4 surprised me. Uh I don't know, but then again, it it is really early. It'll be interesting to to look back on this and have the some of these teams that are not in the playoffs right now um, in the Western or Eastern Conference Finals. Well, all right, Miguel. I think we got to get into our bold prediction. So let's take a quick yes. break and then let's come back for that. All right, Miguel. So last year, the NBA kind of ended its coaches of the month thing abruptly in February when it shut down. And the last coaches of the month were uh, Budenholzer and Dan Tony. So probably by the end of January, we should be getting our first coach of the month, or I guess you can say it's team of the month because or whatever. Um, we're probably going to be getting our first ones at the end of this month. Do you have a pick for me for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference Coach of the Month? Um, I think I do. I think uh, for the West, I think Phoenix is going to continue to surprise, and they might get that not. Uh, Chris Paul will not allow them to lose as the player that he is. So I think that they'll definitely play up to that Conference of the month, team of the month, uh, slash team of the month. And then I think, um, yeah, for the East, oh, this might just be my my Bucks heart talking. But uh, I don't know. With how we've played, it's been kind of up and down. But, but I think we're definitely going to kind of do what we do. Although Philly's the number one seed, um, Orlando's there too, and all that. I think that. With how we're going to play, how we're going to gel with these next few games coming up. I think that we play to that again where Mike Boonholzer ended as coach of the month, and he will season as so too. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's totally fair. Like, they, I think those are good picks. I think, uh, what? I, I, I think Monty Williams can definitely win, uh, coach of the month down there in Phoenix. That's crazy. He's one of what, like four black coaches in the NBA now? Like there's Dwayne Casey, Doc Rivers, Monty Williams, and... Uh, Mo Cheeks. Uh, uh, not even sure. Uh, the coach in DLC. Who's the guy in Atlanta? Who's the guy in Atlanta? Ah, uh, Lloyd Pierce. Yeah. Lloyd Pierce. But anyway, but, uh, yeah. Rockets interim is... Black correct too? No. Oh man, I got, 
I might have actually missed a bunch of people. You're right. Rockets coach. I mean, it's not like the NFL where all we have to count is like one. Yeah, Steven Silas. There we go, Steven Silas. He looks black to me. Like, I mean. Yep. Okay. Well, um, Shouts out to the NBA, I guess. Um, <laughs> let's see. So, for, yeah, I definitely think uh, Phoenix or Monty Williams can win coach of the month down there. Yep. Uh, I think I think Doc Rivers will win the coach of the month for the East. I I, I feel like Doc Rivers is taking the season pretty personally. Like he's he's now to his what? This is probably the, this is probably the final stretch of his his NBA career if he doesn't do well in Philadelphia. Like he, you can't live off the. But you can't live off your in two thousand eight, like for for thirteen plus years, because that that's what he yeah. has. Right, he has that, and then he has some some good winning seasons. But I, I don't know. So I think he's going to take this season personally, and I see him winning it this month for the Sixers as well. I think you're right. I, I think yeah, Philly was going to be. Only other team I could have thought to give it to in the East. So yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to see whether or not these pan out. For sure, I don't think the. I, I feel like the people that vote or decide for these coaches of the month, I, I don't think they like what Budenholzer's doing. I think they think he's not making enough adjustments. Which... They're gonna be like, "Oh, they're playing Pat Content. How many minutes? Give it to Doc." Right, like they're playing the Nosses. Like, what are, what are they doing? Why would we give this guy a vote of the month? But. We could be wrong. We could be. I, I guess we'll find out. It's always all right to grow. From our mistakes, we can only do that. Yes. The Ball Brother Podcast is all about growth. And learning. That's all. 